Thank you so much. You know, I stand up a lot when Alabama scores a touchdown. And sometimes I think it's worthy to stand, amen, and just give him praise. It really is. It really is. Thank you, choir and orchestra, for blessing us this morning. I pray that you're here today, as I'm here today, we're here to exalt the name of Jesus. Amen. We're here to lift him up today. We've been singing about the name of Jesus today. You notice that? I've been singing about his name, his name's above all names. I love the name of Jesus. Let's just say it together. Let's just do that, okay? On three, one, two, three. Jesus. You know, you get persecuted a lot today for saying that. You notice that? You get persecuted when you express your faith or, or uh, say it publicly and in the workplace or schools or wherever now. And so we need to keep professing the name of Jesus Christ until he comes back and then God will deal with it, right? And so uh, thank you for being here today. I'm excited today about our service. I've been looking forward to this service today. I've been praying for it and expecting God to greatly move. I tell you, it's been a beautiful, beautiful fall weekend. Has it not? It's been awesome. It really has. I spent all day yesterday at the hospital. <laughs> and a beautiful fall weekend. But anyway, my mother failed Friday night and broke her shoulder. My mother's 91. And so she uh, had to go to the hospital. So I spent all day yesterday and my sister's there today with her. And so I uh, didn't get to get out. But it's a beautiful day anyway, right? And so I say that to say this. All of us have stuff. Everybody in this room has some stuff going on. It may be you, it may be some of your loved ones, it may be your friends, but there's some stuff going on out there. And so we need to be mindful of that. It's part of this world. It's part of this world. This world we live in has been tainted by sin. That's why people fall and break their shoulder and people have disease and there's disaster and hurricanes and all that stuff. You ever think about it that way? We say, oh, why would this happen? Why would this happen? Well, this is a tainted world, and sins in this world, and bad things happen to good people. My mom's a good woman. So why would God let her fall and break her shoulder? He didn't do that, by the way. She did. <laughs> she shouldn't have been doing what she was doing. Anyway, uh, I, I, want to just, I want us to think about these things. We don't think this way. But there's all kind of stuff going on. And what I want to do before I begin today, I want us to pray for one another. We don't do that enough. And so I want to just lead our church right now as your pastor and shepherd. I want to lead us to pray for one another. Be mindful of the person beside you. In our contemporary service now, I'm joining our contemporary service with Pastor Allen over there as our campus pastor in our contemporary service. I want to invite you guys in the contemporary service just to bow your head with Pastor Dusty. Think about the people to your left, to your right, front, and behind. All right, let's just focus on others for a moment. Now, you have stuff going on in your own life. We want to pray for you as well. But let's just pray for one another, all right, as we prepare our hearts for this word from God. Father, we bow our hearts before you this morning. Lord, we never know what a day is going to bring. We never know what's going to happen in our lives and also in the lives of our loved ones and our friends and co-workers and neighbors and such and such. So, Lord, we got to be prepared. we got to be prepared spiritually for whatever happens. And I'm asking you right now to strengthen our faith. Strengthen our faith and our trust in a holy God, the God of creation, the God who made us and knows us. You know every heart, you know every need, you know every hurt. 
And so I pray for all the praises in here this morning. A lot of things happened good this weekend. We can praise you for and Just some bad things happened this weekend as well, probably to some of our loved ones and so forth. And we pray for one another. I pray for all this congregation and, Lord, the ones in the uh, Foundation Center. And pray for Lindsay Lane East this morning as well. And just pray for Lindsay Lane today and for all of our people watching by live stream even this morning. And so, God, would you speak to our hearts? May as we pray for one another now, may we pray for ourselves that you would speak to us directly into our heart. And Father, if you look into our heart, and you know all hearts, and as Jesus is not in there, we don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. I pray, Lord, you would draw us by your Spirit to you this very day, this very moment, this very hour, that we would receive Christ as our personal Savior and forever change our lives. Lord, we love one another. We pray for one another. We pray for our nation. God, we need help. We need you, Lord. We pray for the world in which we live. That, Lord, you would continue to permeate this world with the precious name of Jesus until you come back for us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles today to Revelations chapter 7. We're in Revelations chapter 7. If you're visiting with us today, you're our very, very special guest. Hope you know that. And we're in a series called Revelation. And so I'm preaching through the book of Revelation. I'm taking, trying to take about a chapter at a time. And so we're in chapter 7 today. And so I am excited today. I really am about this message. Uh, I'm excited for, for numerous reasons because I'm here, I'm alive, and I get to preach today. And I'm glad that you're here as well. And so we have, we have un, unlocked, unveiled the first six seals of the seven seals. We talked about this in chapter 6 of Revelation. We've unlocked the first six seals. Now, before we get to the seventh seal, we're going to unlock the seventh seal, but it's in chapter 8. So, before we unlock the seventh seal today, I want us to just be reminded today that uh, God has sealed us. In verse number 2 of chapter 7, we're sealed by the seal of the living God. Now, I want to direct your attention to the uh, to the screen, and I want to read this statement. I want you to follow with me. Realizing that the book of Revelation is not written in chronological order. Did you know that? It's not the things that are happening are not in chronological order. We find in Revelation chapter 7 a most comforting pause or parentheses between chapter 6 and chapter 8. It's, you know, we've been talking about the devastation and the disasters of the tribulation. And we're going to talk about it a lot more. But I'm just so glad for chapter 7. It's right between the destruction of the uh, four apocalypse, the horsemen of the apocalypse. And, it's, and chapter 8 is going to reveal the trumpets and the seventh seal. But right here in the middle, we find a pause or parentheses. And so in Revelation chapter 7, we find the start of evangelistic activity which provides a panoramic view of salvation through the tribulation. Through all this chaos and disaster, we find salvation. Evangelistic activity is going to be taking place. Revelation chapter 7 reveals a program, if you will, of God's grace and God's salvation even amid the terrible outpouring of God's judgment. By the way, He's a good, good father. Isn't he? 
He's a good father. He's a good God. Even amid all the, all the judgment on planet earth. And by the way, he's just exercising his justice. Right? And so all this chaos, all this disaster, all this destruction that's going on on planet earth. Even amid all of that, we see in chapter 7 the awesome, awesome grace and mercy of God. That people are still being saved, even in that horrific atmosphere, if you will, and climate of what's going on. So, I want to speak to that today. And by the way, I want to remind you, everything going on on TV, Fox, CNN, all of that, by the way, he's still on the throne. Amen? God's just give him praise. God's still on the throne. Our, our nation may be going down the tubes, politically, <laughs> But I'm just telling you today, I'm encouraged because God's still on the throne. And we're Christians. We've got to remember that. So I'm reminding me and you. Now, three things I'm going to give you today. I want to talk about the seal. Oh, my word. We're going to talk about the seal. Now, I want you to look at the first three verses of chapter 7. All right? Stay with me. After these things, what things? Chapter 6. Amen. All of that destruction. So he said, after these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth. That speaks of God's judgment. They're holding the four corners of the earth, the winds of the four corners of the earth, that the wind should not blow on earth or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four other angels to whom he had granted to do harm to the earth and the sea. He said, this is what he said, hold up! Hey guys, wait! Wait a minute! Verse 3. Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees. Look at this. Till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Hey, 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 wait. Before you send these four winds of judgment, all these trumpets and all these bowls that's going to happen, all the judgment of God in 8 through 19, before you send all of that, hold off. God said, hold off. Wait. God's got something He wants to do. He's got some evangelistic activity he's about to perform on planet Earth. Amen? And so we're going to talk about the seal. I want you to see this. This is just awesome. Now, when you see these winds, it speaks of God's judgment. So there's, there, these angels, these are God's restraining messengers. That's what an angel is. God's using them to restrain, if you will, holding back the judgment for a moment. Not yet, he said. It's coming. It's coming. But wait a minute. Hold it off for a moment. That's exactly what they're saying. And say, now why would he do that? Verse 3 tells us. Until, look at verse 3. Until we seal the servants of our God on their foreheads. On their foreheads. This is very interesting. So I want you to follow with me. Now, what, what's the seal? The seal is a mark, if you will, on their forehead. Now, historians, I've been reading, doing some research, and historians say that it's the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is either an X like this or a cross. I like the cross, don't you? 
probably a cross on their foreheads. So he just says we're going to put the mark on their foreheads. That's why we want to seal them. We're sealing them with a mark that will be on their foreheads, which simply means they belong to God. God's going to seal them in this destructive tribulation that's going on on planet Earth. All right? So I want you to see that. And here's the truth. Don't miss this. This is the whole key to my message today. So take your outline, fill it in, and I want you to hear this. Now, here's the truth. The seal on their foreheads symbolizes ownership and protection. Now, get this. Why would God put a mark on their foreheads as they're involved in the tribulation period? Because he wants to seal them with his mark of ownership or possession, if you will, and protection or security. Amen? That's exactly what's happened here. Now, I want us to see that. First of all, I want you to look at the ownership. The ownership of God or the possession of God. Look in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 1. You got your Bibles? I hope you got your Bibles. Or if you can take your iPad or your iPhone and find it just as quick, God bless you. I can't. I like my Bible. But if you can do that, hey, I just want you to find the Word of God and watch with this with me. Watch chapter 14 of Revelation in verse number 1. Now, this is later on, but watch what happens. Then I looked, John said, and behold, a lamb, capital L, by the way, that is the Lamb of God. We know this. Standing on Mount Zion, by the way, that would be Jerusalem, in Jerusalem. And with him, there were 144,000 having his father's name written where? On their forehead. So John's saying, hey, I'm looking, I'm looking further into the future. I've got this vision God's given me. And I see the Lamb of God, Jesus, standing in Jerusalem. And with him, I see 144,000 got that mark on their forehead. Wow. Now, look at Revelation chapter 22. This is the last chapter. Revelation chapter 22. And look in verse number 4. Look what John writes here. Look at this. They shall see his face. Whose face? Jesus. We're going to see Jesus face to face one day. They shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. Wow. His name shall be on their forehead. That's his ownership. That's his possession. Now, I want you to look at, think about this. What about his protection? The, the mark is also on their foreheads. Yeah, he owns them, he possesses them, but also the mark's on there because he's protecting them. Right? Now, I want you to watch this. I want you to turn with me to Revelations 9, 4. 9, 4. Now, we're going to talk about this in, in the tribulation period. The locusts are going to be loose from the pit of hell. I'm telling you, this tribulation is awful. These locusts are going to come out of the pit of hell. And I want you to look at verse number 4. Chapter 9, verse 4. These locusts were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. So these locusts, and I, I'm not going to preach chapter 9 right now, but I'm telling you they're bad dudes. And they're going to attack those on planet earth, but all of those that got the seal on their forehead. Leave them alone. You know why? They're mine. They got the seal on, of, of God on them. On their forehead. Leave them alone. I'm protecting them from the locusts. 
Now, I want you to see this. Look in Ezekiel. I love going back to the Old Testament and doing uh, the research. Because he, Ezekiel is in a vision now. God's taking him in, and just like John's in a vision, seeing all of this in heaven, Ezekiel, the prophet, is seeing all of this too. God's revealed it to him. Now look in Ezekiel chapter 9, verse number 3. Ezekiel chapter 9, verse number 3. Now watch this. Now the glory of God of Israel had gone up from the cherub where it had been sent to the threshold of the temple. Now watch this. And he called to, to the, he called to the man clothed with linen who had the writer's ink horn on his side. In other words, he's got this horn with ink in it. What's he going to do with it? Look in verse 4. And the Lord said to this guy, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on their foreheads of the men who sighed and cried over all the abominations that are done within this. In other words, I want you to mark all of those Christians or all of those people who love the Lord and, are, and are, have passion, and they're weeping. They're weeping for Jerusalem. They're weeping for the ones, the destruction that's coming. And, and verse number, number five. Now watch the contrast. Look at verse five. And to the others. Now these are the ones with the mark on them, but to the others, that would be lost. That's those that have nothing to do with Jesus, nothing to do with God. Look at this. Watch it now. Listen. He said, in my hearing, go after him through the city and through, and kill. Do not let your eye spare or don't even have any pity. Utterly slay all the young maidens, the children, the women. But do not come near the ones who have the mark on their foreheads. Kill all the rest. That's the judgment of God. Kill all the rest. All of them. But don't come near those that I'm protecting who have the seal on their forehead. Now, Ezekiel is prophesying this some 700 years, even before Jesus and before Revelation. And so, we see God's protection. Now, in Exodus chapter, uh, look in Exodus, if you will, if you want to turn there. You know this, but in Exodus chapter 12, watch this. Exodus chapter 12, in verse 23. Let me recall the story of Israel in Egypt when Moses, God spoke to Moses. And look what he said in verse 23 of chapter 12 of Exodus. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. He's going to deal with them. Justice is coming to them. And when he sees the blood on the lintel, on the doorpost, over the door, and on the sides of the door. When he sees the blood of the lamb, you sacrifice, remember? When you see that, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer, the death angel, to come into your house to kill you. Now, what does he say? I want you to watch this. Ezekiel prophesied, God's going to destroy all the lost on the earth. He's going to destroy them. He's not going to annihilate them. We're going to talk about that in Revelation. But he says this. Watch this. He says, now, in Egypt, Moses, God told Moses, I'm, I'm going to take these Egyptians out, and I'm going to take all the firstborn. Remember that? But if you have the blood of a lamb, all of you sacrifice a lamb, and put the blood over the doorpost, and when I see that blood of that lamb, I'm going to pass over your house. And I'm not going to kill your firstborn. I'm not going to kill them. I'm going to do that to the Egyptians. Or anyone, could have been a Jew, could have been an Israelite, that didn't put the lamb, the blood's lamb over the lintel. 
over the, over the doorpost. That's what he said. Now, what is that? He's sealing them. This is the seal. I'm sealing you. I'm protecting you. Put the blood over the doorpost. And when the death angel comes, you'll be sealed by the blood of that lamb that you sacrificed. Amen and amen. Now, all through the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament, all through the Old Testament we see God's hand of protection on His people. For instance, He protected Noah and his family from the flood. What did He do? He sealed them in an ark. Did He not? He sealed them in an ark. What about baby Moses? They were killing all the Hebrew children. What about Moses? He put him in a basket and sealed him. He protected Moses. He had a plan for him. He raised him up. What about Rahab, the prostitute in Jericho? Israel's about to wipe Jericho out. And the spies went in. And this, and this Rahab, by the name of Rahab, a prostitute, she said, okay. And they talked to her about that. We're going to come. And she believed. And she said, listen, I'm going to put out the scarlet thread out the window. They said, if you'll do that, when we destroy Jericho, we'll spare you and your family. What was that scarlet thread? It was a seal of protection. When they saw that, when they saw that scarlet thread in the window, you know what the Bible says? They passed over Rahab and all of her family. What are you saying, Pastor? Here's what I'm saying. God's got a way of sealing us and protecting us because He owns us or He possesses us as His children. It's very important to have Christ as your Savior. Because God will seal you as He sealed these. It's an awesome thing. And you'll say this. Well, Pastor, that's pretty good stuff in the Old Testament. But what about the New Testament? How, what about the New Covenant? How does He seal people for the New Covenant? The same way. Almost. Just like God took the blood of an innocent lamb and the Israelites slit that lamb's throat and took the blood of that lamb, God said do this, and put it over the lintel, I'll protect you and pass over. That's the Old Testament. So what about the New Testament? Oh, I'm glad you asked. You know what God did for those in the New Testament? He did almost the same thing. It was just that he took a real person. His name was Jesus. God in the flesh. He took him as a sacrificial lamb of God. And he crucified him on a cross. And we are covered, you and I as Christians, we are covered by the precious lamb of God. Amen? And so this spiritual, if you will, sacrificial lamb in the New Testament has covered our sins. In other words, God passes over Dusty. God passes over Randy. God passes over Christians who have put their faith and trust in the Lamb of God who was crucified and shed His blood for your sin. And so He passes over us when it comes to Judgment Day because we've been sealed by the blood of Jesus. Amen? That's why Hebrews 9, 7 says, Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. That's just God's way in the Old Testament and the New Testament. There was shedding of blood to cover sin. That's why the Israelites and the high priest had a sin offering. Every year they went and it covered their sin until the new lamb would come. In the New Testament, his name is Jesus, until he fulfilled the law by being crucified as the Lamb of God, so His blood would cover our sin and seal us. Right? 
All right? You still haven't gotten it, have you? I don't even hear you. All right? Let's go further. That's the Old Testament. We see in the New Testament how those Jesus sealed those New Testament. Well, how does that apply to me, Pastor? How does all of this stuff, revelation in the blood and the seal and all, how in the world does that apply to me in the 21st century? I am so glad you asked that question. Because I'm going to show you right now how it applies to you. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I want you to, don't miss this. This is worth coming today. I'm going to tell you, this just is. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. All right? Now I want you to look in 2 Corinthians 1. I want you to watch this, and I want you to look in verse 21 and 22. This is Paul writing to the Christians, but also, you know, this applies to us today. The Holy Spirit's inspired, and so we receive it today. Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. Paul said God's one who established us and anointed us in Christ. But don't miss verse 22. Who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our heart as a guarantee. A guarantee. He sealed me today. He sealed you as a Christian today with His Holy Spirit until He comes back for us. We're sealed. We're protected. We're owned by God. We're possess- He's our possession. We're His possession. And He owns us, if you will. He's taking ownership of us. So He's protecting His saints. And I want you to see that. i got another verse. Ephesians chapter 1. Turn to your right. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Galatians and Ephesians. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 1. Oh, my word. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. I'm about to have a spell. I really am. Now, some of you younger people don't know what that is. It means you just get excited. You just almost about to fall over. All right. It's not because we're old. It's because we're excited. All right. Now, listen. Here. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Don't miss this. In Him. In Him. In Christ. Personal relationship with Him. In Christ, you also trusted. When? After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed it by faith, you were sealed. Not that you might be sealed. He'll think about sealing you. Oh, I hope He seals me. No, you are sealed. Period. How? With a mark on your forehead? No. That's how the Old Testament saints were sealed. And those in the tribulation, they're going to be sealed with a mark on their forehead. We today are sealed by the Spirit in our heart. That mark is on our heart. It's the Spirit of God that lives in me. He changed me. I'm telling you, He's changed me overnight. He actually did. He came into my life. And now I have the seal of God of ownership, I belong to Him, but also He's protecting me from the evil one. What do you mean? You're never going to get sick? You're never going to have an accident? You're never going to die? Oh, yes, I can have an accident. I have them a lot. And, uh... (laughs) Not that kind of accident. Can I get a witness? I'm old, but I'm still got my faculties. Can I get a witness? (laughs) I ain't saying nothing else. 
<laughs> All I know is I'm sealed. All right. And I'm protected. God protects me even when I do crazy stuff. All right. All right, where am I? But uh, what's verse 14? Ephesians chapter 1. Don't miss verse 14. You saw verse 13, how you get to see it. Now watch this. Who, the Holy Spirit, is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption or the Lamb of God redeems us with His blood, the purchased possession to the praise to His glory. You know what that's talking about? The church, the bride of Christ, is God's precious possession. We belong to Him because we're the body of Christ and we're sealed by the Holy Spirit of Christ until the day of redemption. Now, i got news for those of you who don't believe this. I'm just telling you it's true. You're sealed forever. You don't lose the seal. You didn't seal yourself. He did. Amen? He's the only one. He's the only one. So once you're sealed, you're a prized possession of His. You belong to Him. He can do with you what He wants to. He possesses you. He protects you, by the way. When the death angel comes and, and all of that and all this judgment, he's protecting those with a mark on their forehead. He protects us. And by the way, you're sealed forever. Well, what about when I die? Well, you're going to rise again. You're sealed forever. Amen? Second Timothy 2.19 says this, The solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are His. Wow. God sealed us, and by the way, He knows who belongs to Him. He knows who's got the mark. Here's a great truth in your outline. God's people are absolutely and totally secured by God. You don't earn your salvation. You don't work for it. You're totally secured in Christ when you receive Jesus as your personal Savior. Now look up in verse, uh, back to chapter 7. Look up in uh, last verse, of number, verse chapter 6 of Revelation. What does it say there? The, verse 17. Chapter 6, verse 17. For the great day of His wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Now, that's a question. By the way, the great day of His wrath is coming, tribulation. Who is going to stand? Well, I'm going to show you, because it says it in verse chapter number 7. Amen? So, that brings us to the next Blank, all right? It is the Jews sealed. The Jews sealed. Like, look in verse 4. Don't miss verse 4, chapter 7. And I heard the number of those who were sealed. 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were what? Sealed. How? With a mark on their forehead. It's a tribulation period now. Watch this. Now, they were sealed. Now, before we get to those sealed in verses 5 through 8, I want to talk to you just for a moment to those who are not sealed. Or who, who, this is not referencing the 144,000 are the Jews who were sealed, if you will, in this tribulation period. Now, a lot of people claim, well, we belong to this 144,000. So I want to talk just a minute for who these are, who he's not speaking about in verse number four. He's not talking about the seven day Adventist. He's not talking about them being a part of that 144,000 as they claim. 
They teach that their, their faithful, their faithful ones are among these 144,000 due to the fact that they observe the Old Testament law, they observe the commandments, and especially they observe the Sabbath day and worship on Saturday. Now, because of that, they think, well, we're part of this 144,000. So they're not. I'll tell you somebody else that's not. And that's Jehovah Witnesses. They're not a part of this 144,000 he's speaking of in chapter 7. And they teach that among these 144,000 includes the overcomers of their faith who will continue to the end, who will stick with God to the very end. God tells us who the 144,000 are in chapter 7. They're Jews. They're Jews. Now, in, and I won't read all of it for the sake of time, but in verses 5 through 8, there's 12 tribes of Israel. These are the sons of Jacob. And so he's taken 12,000 out of each one of these 12 tribes, which totals 144,000 from each tribe, if you will, of Israel. And so there's 144,000, if you will, Jews who are going to be in this uh, tribulation period as evangelists. Now watch this. These have the seal on their forehead. We just read that. These are the ones who were sealed with, their fo- with a mark on their forehead, and God's going to use them and protect them. They belong to Him, and He's going to use them to share the gospel to the, to the world, if you will, in the tribulation period. This is the tribulation period. By the fact, this is the first part of the tribulation period. They're going to be sharing with those and evangelizing those. Can you imagine 144,000 Billy Grahams running around? And sharing, sharing Christ because they have the seal on their forehead. They belong to God, if you will. And they're sharing the gospel because all the Jews don't believe in the Messiah. By the way, there's thousands upon thousands of Jews who have never received Christ as their personal Savior. They don't, they don't believe in the Messiah. And by the way, God's going to deal with them in the millennial kingdom. We're going to talk about that in chapter 20. God's going to deal with the Jews. That's special people. Now, let me just try to share this with you so you can grasp this. Now, they're, they're sealed. Why would God seal these 144,000 Jews? Because God always has a remnant. Always has a remnant. So he's chosen these 144,000 Jews, 12 from each tribe, the sons of Jacob, to make up these 144,000 evangelists. One of the reasons he did that, because of the covenant he made with Abraham. Amen? God made a covenant with the Israelites, with Israel. The Jews, because of their father, Abraham. He'll be the father of a great nation. And God's not going to break his promise. Even though most of them have rejected Jesus, he's still going to deal with them. A lot of them are going to be evangelized during this period in the, in the tribulation period. There's also a second reason he's going to deal with them because of the millennial kingdom. There's a period coming, a thousand-year reign, when we're going to be with Jesus in the new Jerusalem, and God's dealing with Israel during that time in that thousand-year reign. Now, number three, the the third blank is the Gentiles are saved. Even the Gentiles are saved during this seven-year period, at the first part of this seven-year period. I want you to watch verse 9. Look in verse number 9. Only 9 and 10. After these things, I looked, and he's got these Jews sealed. I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number of all the nations, and all the tribes, all the peoples, all the tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, Jesus, clothed with white robes. Remember that? 
and with palm branches in their hands. And they were crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, the Son of God. Now what a great multitude. I want you to see this. A great multitude from every tribe, every nation, every kindred. So this would be not only Gentiles, but Jews alike. That's everybody. Everybody that's in, on planet Earth during the tribulation period, God's going to send these 144,000 Jewish witnesses, if you will, to share the gospel. And Jews and Gentiles alike are going to be saved during this period. Now, most of them are going to be martyred when they accept Christ because they have to have the, four, they have to have the mark of, the, of, the, of God on their head. And when the, when the Antichrist comes, remember what he said? You've got to have the mark of the beast on your head. You can't buy or sell or whatever. So that if you don't have the mark of Satan, buddy, you're doomed. But Jesus said, no, you're not doomed. You're going to be saved. Because when the mark of God's on your head, that puts on your head, you're sealed. You're sealed. You're protected of ownership, even during the tribulation period. So John is a... And by the way, this isn't... Verse 9 is not speaking of the church age. We're already raptured up. We're with God in heaven. We've done been raptured. He's not speaking about the church age. And by the way, he's not speaking of Israel as the church. There's a lot of interpretation and a lot of scholars who believe that Israel is the church. And he's not speaking about that. I believe with all my heart, and I can show you scripture, that we've been raptured up before the tribulation period. So he's speaking about those who have the mark of God on their head who have been sealed during the tribulation period. Well, how do you know that? Well, read the Bible. Look in verse 13 and 14. Look in verse 13 and 14. Then one of the elders answered and said to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. Now, can it get any plainer than that? These are the ones that came out of the great tribulation period, if you will, and washed their robes and made them White in the blood. Look at this. In the blood of the Lamb. It's all about Jesus, folks. Old Testament. New Testament. 21st century. It's all about being sealed by the blood of the Lamb. It really is. And I hope that you have been sealed. I hope that you have professed Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you have, then you have the mark. You have the mark of the Holy Spirit on your heart. And by the way, he directs you and leads you and teaches you all of these things. Now, in verse 9 through 12, is a beautiful picture. I won't have time to go into it. What are they doing? By the way, what are we going to do in heaven? What are they doing? They're worshiping God. Look in 9 through 12. I've already read 9 and 10, so look in verse number 11. And all the angels stood around the throne, and the elders, and the four living creatures, 24 elders, and and the living creatures, and they all fell on their faces before the throne and did what? Worship God. And here's what they were saying. Here's what they were saying. Here's what they were saying. Amen. Amen. Blessed in glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God. And by the way, forever and ever and ever and ever. And again, they say it. Amen. Amen. So be it. You're right, God. Amen. Isn't that awesome? They're worshiping God. They're standing before the throne. They're not just sitting down. Oh, what time is it? I gotta get home. They're not. They're standing up. 
We're going to do a lot of standing up in heaven. But by the way, you'll never get tired. Can I get a witness? And so we're praising the Lamb. We're worshiping the Lamb like we were doing this morning. They're clothed in white. They have palm branches. What's the palm branch symbolize? It always symbolized celebration. Remember when Hosanna came into the city? They had palm branches. It's a celebration. What do you want to do in heaven? Celebrate. We like partying. <laughs> We're going to have a party in heaven. It's going to be awesome. We're going to celebrate. What else were they doing? Crying out with loud voices. You know what that means, Wayne? They were singing. Crying out. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. They were singing loud. <laughs> Amen? And by the way, it won't hurt your hearing aids when you get to heaven. You won't need them. You really won't need them. Verse 11 and 12 is so awesome. we got the angels there with us, 24 uh, elders, the four living creatures, joined all the saints. And by the way, in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 and 10, it's going to be all of us in heaven together. We're going to all be together. They're going to join us from the tribulation period. And all together. And they said, Amen and Amen. Well, so they were singing and worshiping and giving Him glory. Uh, what else are we going to do in heaven? We're going to serve. Look at verse 15. Therefore, they all before the throne served Him day and night in His temple. He's speaking more or less of the, tri- of the millennial kingdom in Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem. And He who sits on the throne will dwell among them. So we're going to not only worship God, we're going to also serve Him. Number two, the last blank here, they are protected by the Lamb of God. By the way, who's protected by the Lamb of God? Those through the tribulation period. I've already talked about that, but look at verse 16 and 17. It shows us, and I'm closing. Watch this, verse 16. They, who's they? Those who came out of the tribulation. He just said in verse 15. And watch verse 16. They shall never hunger. Remember famine? Remember one of the horses brought famine? They shall never hunger anymore. Watch this. And neither are they going to thirst anymore. They're not going to be thirsty anymore. And the sun's not going to strike them anymore. Nothing like that's going to happen. And it, it symbolizes, it, it refers back to the tribulation period. All of those that's become out of the tribulation period, they're not going to experience all of those plagues and all of those suffering anymore. Now, verse 17 is an awesome verse of Scripture. I'm going to close with it. Watch this. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne, the Lamb, the Lamb of God, that's Jesus. He's in the midst of the throne. He will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains and waters, and will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's heaven, folks. That's for those out of tribulation period. That's for those of us who are going to meet Him. And by the way, we're going to be shepherded by the Lamb. Isn't that awesome that the Lamb is the shepherd? The Lamb is the shepherd. Only God can do that. He's the Lamb of God. In the Old Testament... Sacrificial lambs. But in the New Testament, He became the lamb. Sacrificial lamb. And we're going to be with Him forever. And we're going to be protected by the lamb. And we're going to be secured by the lamb. Because He possesses us as His redeemed possession. Who is the Christians. Who is the body of Christ. Who's all of us who have been saved. We're going to be protected by Him. You say, well, what, what does that mean? Here's what that means. You see that last verse there? He'll wipe away the tears from their eyes. I want you to think about this. Put it on the screen. Revelation chapter 21 in verse number 4. Revelations 21 in verse number 4. I'm going to read it to you. 
We'll talk about that. I can't wait to get to chapter 20 and 20, 21. Just let me read it to you. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He just said that. But watch this. And there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There shall be no more pain. For in heaven the former things have passed away. Here's what that means. Listen very carefully. Come in close. Watch this. No more tribulation. No more cancer. No more heart attacks. No more suffering. No more funerals. No more death. He's going to wipe all of that away. Why? Because you're sealed. You're sealed. You're His. You belong to Him. He's going to protect you right here on planet earth. He's going to protect you. Well, what about the hurricane? My uncle got killed. If he's a Christian, he's already protected. He's eternally healed. He's with the Lord. God's protecting you. So I got, I've got this disease. It don't matter. You're protected by God. Your faith will get you through. And by the way, i got news for you. 100% of us are going to die. 100% of us are going to die unless Jesus comes back. So the, here's the point. You need to be eternally secured and sealed. Because He wants to protect you. But if you don't have the seal of God in your heart, the Holy Spirit, if you never invited Jesus in your heart, you know whose seal you're wearing? You're wearing the devil's seal. You belong to the devil. In actuality, you really do. Because there's only two. The Christ and the Antichrist. You've got to belong to one of the two. And if you never have Christ in your heart, you never become a Christian, then guess what? You belong to the Antichrist. And you're not sealed. You're not sealed. And you're going to experience devastation and destruction. I'm urging you today to be saved. Get the seal of God in your heart, the Holy Spirit of God. How do you do that, Pastor? By saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Come into my heart. And forgive me and save me and change me and seal me forevermore. And by the way, based on the Bible, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen and amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, you've spoken into our heart today, Lord. I thank you for chapter 7 of Revelation. It's just a pause between all that destruction to remind us that you're still on the throne. You're still saving people. And even today, Lord, I know, the, I know there's a lot of stuff going on in our land today, a lot of skepticism, a lot of people doubting if God's real. How can this be? I don't understand how faith works, all of that. The devil's trying to confuse us. He really is. And Lord, the Word of God has a way of speaking to our heart. That's why we have to receive it by faith and trust in You. I'm praying for anyone and everyone in this service, in our contemporary service, watching by live stream, anyone who would call on the name of the Lord and say, Jesus, save me today. I need to be saved and sealed. Father, based on the Word of God, if they'll do that and serious about that in their heart, You'll save them and seal them this very day. And I pray, Father, they would come forward today. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Just come and say, I'm ready to be saved. I need to be saved. Some want to come and join our church. Some want to come and pray at this altar. I invite you to do that. But Lord, have your will and your way right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Why don't you come? We're praying for you. Stand with us all over the building. We're praying for you today. God's spoken to our hearts today. Now the ball's in our court. What are you going to do with it? I pray today you'd come to Jesus. As we sing, you come. Come out of sadness.
from wherever you've been.